Thank you for listening to this free audiobook created by Project Gutenberg and Microsoft AI. To learn more about the project or give feedback on the quality of a recording, please visit aka.ms/audiobook. The Journal of Sir Walter Scott from the Original Manuscript at Abbotsford. Bert Franklin, New York. Preface. On the death of Sir Walter Scott in 1832, his entire literary remains were placed at the disposal of his son-in-law, Mr. John Gibson Lockhart. Among these remains were two volumes of a journal which had been kept by Sir Walter from 1825 to 1832. Mr. Lockhart made large use of this journal in his admirable life of his father-in-law. Writing, however, so short a time after Scott's death, he could not use it so freely as he might have wished, and according to his own statement, it was, by regard for the feelings of living persons, that he both omitted and altered, and indeed he printed no chapter of the diary in full. There is no longer any reason why the journal should not be published in its entirety, and by the permission of the Han, Mrs. Maxwell Scott it now appears exactly as Scott left it, but for the correction of obvious slips of the pen and the omission of some details chiefly of family and domestic interest. The original journal consists of two small four-to-volumes, nine inches by eight, bound in vellum and furnished with strong locks. The manuscript is closely written on both sides, and towards the end shows painful evidence of the physical prostration of the writer. The journal abruptly closes towards the middle of the second volume with the following entry probably the last words ever penned by Scott. In the annotations, it seemed most satisfactory to follow as closely as possible the method adopted by Mr. Lockhart. In the case of those parts of the journal that have been already published, almost all Mr. Lockhart's notes have been reproduced, and these are distinguished by his initials. Extracts from the life, from James Skeen of Rubislaw's unpublished reminiscences, and from unpublished letters of Scott himself and his contemporaries, have been freely used wherever they seem to illustrate particular passages in the journal. With regard to Scott's quotations a certain difficulty presented itself. In his journal he evidently quoted from memory, and he not unfrequently makes considerable variations from the originals. Occasionally, indeed, it would seem that he deliberately made free with the exact words of his author, to adapt them more pertinently to his own mood or the impulse of the moment. In any case it seemed best to let Scott's quotations appear as he wrote them. His reading lay in such curious and unfrequented quarters that to verify all the sources is a nearly impossible task. It is to be remembered, also, that he himself held very free notions on the subject of quotation. I have to thank the Han, Mrs. Maxwell Scott for permitting me to retain for the last three years the precious volumes in which the journal is contained and for granting me access to the correspondence of Sir Walter preserved at Abbotsford, and I have likewise to acknowledge the courtesy of His Grace the Duke of Buccleuch for allowing me the use of the Scott letters at Dalkyth. To Mr. W. F. Skeen, Historiographer Royal for Scotland, my thanks are warmly rendered for entrusting me with his precious heirloom, the volume which contains Sir Walter's letters to his father, and the reminiscences that accompany them one of many kind offices towards me during the last thirty years in our relations as author and publisher. I am also obliged to Mr. Archibald Constable for permitting me to use the interesting memorandum by James Ballantyne. Finally, I have to express my obligation to many other friends, who never failed cordially to respond to any call I made upon them. D.D. Edinburgh, 
22 Drummond Place, October 1, 1890. Volume 1. Portrait, painted by John Graham Gilbert, RSA, for the Royal Society, Edinburgh. Copied by permission of the Council of the Society. Vignette on. The Dial Stone. In the Garden, from Drawing Made at Abbotsford by George Reed, RSA. Work while it is day. Mu Upsilon Zi Gamma Furo Epsilon Rho Chi Epsilon Tau Fiota. I must home to work while it is called day, for the night cometh when no man can work. I put that text many a year ago on my dial stone, but it often preached in vain. Scott's Life, X, 88. Map of Abbotsford, from the Ordnance Survey, 1858, to face P. Volume 2. Portrait, painted by Sir Francis Grant, P.R.A., for the Baroness Ruthven, and now in the National Portrait Gallery of Scotland. Copied by permission of the Han, the Board of Manufactures. Vignette on. The Dial Stone. In the Garden, from Drawing Made at Abbotsford by George Reed, R.S.A. The Night Cometh. Mu Upsilon Zi Gamma Furo Epsilon Rho Chi Epsilon Tau Fiota. I must home to work while it is called day, for the night cometh when no man can work. I put that text many years ago on my dial stone, but it often preached in vain. Scott's Life, X, 88. Appendices. The Journal of Sir Walter Scott from the original manuscript at Abbotsford. Bert Franklin, New York. Preface. On the death of Sir Walter Scott in 1832, his entire literary remains were placed at the disposal of his son-in-law, Mr. John Gibson Lockhart. Among these remains were two volumes of a journal which had been kept by Sir Walter from 1825 to 1832. Mr. Lockhart made large use of this journal in his admirable life of his father-in-law. Writing, however, so short a time after Scott's death, he could not use it so freely as he might have wished, and according to his own statement, it was, by regard for the feelings of living persons, that he both omitted and altered, and indeed he printed no chapter of the diary in full. There is no longer any reason why the journal should not be published in its entirety, and by the permission of the Han, Mrs. Maxwell Scott it now appears exactly as Scott left it, but for the correction of obvious slips of the pen and the omission of some details chiefly of family and domestic interest. The original journal consists of two small four-to volumes, nine inches by eight, bound in vellum and furnished with strong locks. The manuscript is closely written on both sides, and towards the end shows painful evidence of the physical prostration of the writer. The journal abruptly closes towards the middle of the second volume with the following entry, probably the last words ever penned by Scott. In the annotations, it seemed most satisfactory to follow as closely as possible the method adopted by Mr. Lockhart. In the case of those parts of the journal that have been already published, almost all Mr. Lockhart's notes have been reproduced, and these are distinguished by his initials. Extracts from the life from James Skeen of Rubislaw's Unpublished Reminiscences, and from unpublished letters of Scott himself and his contemporaries, have been freely used wherever they seem to illustrate particular passages in the journal. With regard to Scott's quotations a certain difficulty presented itself. In his journal he evidently quoted from memory, and he not unfrequently makes considerable variations from the originals. Occasionally, indeed, it would seem that he deliberately made free with the exact words of his author, to adapt them more pertinently to his own mood or the impulse of the moment. 
In any case it seemed best to let Scott's quotations appear as he wrote them. His reading lay in such curious and unfrequented quarters that to verify all the sources is a nearly impossible task. It is to be remembered, also, that he himself held very free notions on the subject of quotation. I have to thank the Han, Mrs. Maxwell Scott for permitting me to retain for the last three years the precious volumes in which the journal is contained, and for granting me access to the correspondence of Sir Walter preserved at Abbotsford, and I have likewise to acknowledge the courtesy of His Grace the Duke of Buccleuch for allowing me the use of the Scott letters at Dalkyth. To Mr. W. F. Skeen, Historiographer Royal for Scotland, my thanks are warmly rendered for entrusting me with his precious heirloom, the volume which contains Sir Walter's letters to his father, and the reminiscences that accompany them, one of many kind offices towards me during the last thirty years in our relations as author and publisher. I am also obliged to Mr. Archibald Constable for permitting me to use the interesting memorandum by James Ballantyne. Finally, I have to express my obligation to many other friends, who never failed cordially to respond to any call I made upon them. D.D. Edinburgh, 22 Drummond Place, October 1, 1890. Volume 1. Portrait, painted by John Graham Gilbert, R.S.A., for the Royal Society, Edinburgh copied by permission of the Council of the Society. Vignette on. The Dial Stone. In the Garden, from Drawing Made at Abbotsford by George Reed, R.S.A. Work While It Is Day. New Upsilons I Gamma Ferro Epsilon Rho Chi Epsilon Tau Fiota. I must home to work while it is called day, for the night cometh when no man can work. I put that text many a year ago, on my dial stone, but it often preached in vain. Scott's Life, X. 88. Map of Abbotsford, from the Ordnance Survey, 1858, to Face P. Volume 2. Portrait, painted by Sir Francis Grant, P.R.A., for the Baroness Ruthven, and now in the National Portrait Gallery of Scotland. Copied by permission of the Han, the Board of Manufactures. Vignette on. The Dial Stone. In the Garden, from Drawing Made at Abbotsford by George Reed, R.S.A. The Night Cometh. New Upsilons I Gamma Ferro Epsilon Rho Chi Epsilon Tau Fiota. I must home to work while it is called day, for the night cometh when no man can work. I put that text many years ago on my dial stone, but it often preached in vain. Scott's Life, X. 88. Appendices.